Hello. Oh, your audio is really messed up. Mine? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you guys. Can you hear me? Your thing is, like, really, like, choppy. Oh, wait. It's back now. Is it okay now? Yeah, it's okay now. Wait. Anna, can you hear her? Yeah, I can hear her now. It was choppy when I first got on. It, yeah, my... Hold on. Let me switch to my AirPods really quickly, because it's choppy for me. Okay, I'll, I will do that as well. I will do that as well. AirPods gang. AirPods oh, gang. okay, now it's working. There Let's we see go. if it works. Okay, hello? Hello? Yep, you're all good. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome, okay. Um... Anna, if you would like to start. Okay, so we're doing my poem and then y'all's poem and then like a little bit of comparison. Yeah. Okay. So for my poem, I had composed upon Westminster Bridge, September 3rd, 1802 by William Wordsworth. Um, A little bit about him. He was born in 1770, died in 1850. He was known to be very speculative and was concerned a lot with humans' relationship with nature and preserving nature. He was very politically active. He was very liberal, hated tyranny, really big advocate for democracy, and that kind of showed up in some of his poetry. And he also advocated for using, quote-unquote, common speech in poetry, which makes a lot of his poems seem a lot more simple He said once that poetry should be written in the real language of men and that poetry is the spontaneous overflow of feelings and it takes its origin from emotion recollected in tranquility. I thought that was a cool quote. And then before graduating college, he went on a walking tour of Europe, which kind of deepened his love for nature and his sympathy for the common man, both of which are recurring themes in his poetry. And then both of his parents died when he was fairly young. There isn't much tragedy or sadness in his poetry, but I thought that was an important thing to note. Um, And then for the poem, you can definitely see the common language here. And the poem's pretty easy to read in general. There are a couple of like hidden meanings and stuff. But as far as poetry from the 18th, 19th century goes, it's pretty, it's a pretty easy read. And I really like the way that he uses colons and semicolons instead of breaking the poem up by stanzas. I talked about this in my Flipgrid because it gives the reader a chance to pause a little bit and think about everything he's saying without fully stopping the poem. Um, He kind of has two points he wants to get across in this poem. He wants to appreciate nature's beauty, but also preserve it and specifically protect it from industrialization because this poem was written at the height of the industrial revolution and from the videos um we know that stanzas break in order to conclude one thought and begin another but semicolons and colons allow the author to start another thought without concluding the previous one so it kind of creates this continuous line of reasoning that allows his two points or his two themes to play off of one another because they really work well together because you see the beauty of nature which motivates you to want to preserve it through this poem another big element is his personification he personifies the sun the earth the river and the houses 
and it really helps shape the tone of the poem and the tone of his environment when he's writing the poem because he's saying that the sun and river are smiling and the houses are sleeping and he gives off the impression that the world around him is happy and content with the beauty of nature which kind of helps to further show his point of the beauty of nature and the tone is a lot the tone is very tranquil and calm and I think by showing the parts of the environment personified as tranquil and calm it really forces the tone into a whole new element there's not a lot of diction because of the simplicity of the poem the whole common man language and stuff but he does use the words fair and majesty it almost created like a fairy tale atmosphere to me I'm not sure if that was his intention but the diction combined with the imagery and like the peaceful tone of the poem makes it really calming and tranquil to read. And I thought just describing it as fair and showing about the majesty and the beauty of the world kind of made it seem almost like magical. And like he wanted to paint nature as this like ethereal place that we need to keep sacred and safe. Um, and then he also describes the air as smokeless, which is hinting at the fact that we need to protect and preserve nature, specifically from the Industrial Revolution, like I said. Um, the two points he has about protecting but also appreciating nature, the protection one is a little bit less evident, but it's definitely in there through a little bit of diction. I also really like how specific this poem is. It's not just him saying, oh, the sun is pretty, the clouds are pretty. He's specifically going to a bridge and describing what he saw on a very specific day in one specific moment, which really makes the poem more intimate and the message is more sincere. And Wordsworth was an advocate for simplicity in poetry, so there aren't a lot, like a whole lot of poetic devices to work with here. But I think the simplicity of this poem is part of the charm of it because it's so easy to read and understand but also there's like a couple of hidden meanings that make it fun to reread it a couple times and get what he's truly trying to tell the reader and then back to the tone it's super calm and tranquil so much that the houses of the city fall asleep at the end of the poem which goes back to the personification and I think that has a big influence on the tone because it's almost as if he is going to sleep, if that makes sense. I mean, he starts off kind of more energetic and then it shifts later on in the poem to more tranquil and eventually falling asleep. So it just creates this really nice flow from energetic beauty to sleeping beauty, I guess, or more calm beauty. And then overall, the theme is just about appreciating nature and protecting it, but mostly about the appreciation of its beauty. And that's pretty much all I have. Yeah, nice. I thought, like, definitely, like, I read the Composed Upon Westminster Bridge poem, and I totally agree that the, the tone was, like, very calm and tranquil. Yeah, I really liked how, like, it was almost really soothing to read. Mm hmm Yeah, so the poem that me and Isabella chose was the Sonnet 130, My Mistress' Eyes Are Nothing Like the Sun. And 
Throughout the entire poem, the speaker basically lists different appealing characteristics that are considered the conventional beauty standards, I guess, during that time. And then he kind of follows up with how they don't apply to his mistress. And with each characteristic that he mentions, the speaker like follows up with how his mistress was has the opposite of that. Um, the main thing that I kind of paid attention to in this poem was like the syntax. Uh, like, for example, in lines three to four, the speaker says, if snow be white, why then her breasts are done? If hairs be wires, black wires grow on her head. And this kind of fits with what I stated before about how with each characteristic that he mentions, the speaker follows up with how like his mistress has the opposite of that. And that's kind of like very consistent throughout the like the 14 line throughout the first 12 lines of the poem, basically. Um, so and I think that like. And also, like, along with the syntax, the rhyme scheme that I noticed was, like, A-B-A-B format. And I thought that the rhyme scheme was important to the poem because the repetitive repetitiveness of it, um, it constantly emphasized how the speaker only speaks of his mistress in an unflattering way. However, this is, like, quickly shifted with the last two lines of the poem. The last two lines of the poem actually rhyme with each other, so that would be, like, A-A instead of A-B. So they don't alternate. And I think that's important because it shows how the speaker loves his mistress, regardless of whether or not she has those certain flattering characteristics. And like going back to like the writer of the poem itself, William Shakespeare, as a lot of us know, he's one of the most influential writers in history. And um, his writing reaches a very large audience too. And one thing that I just really liked about this poem was, um, how it kind of like pokes fun at the very cliche metaphors that are commonly used in love poetry, like especially throughout that um, Renaissance era. And so that's why I feel like this poem probably stood out in that time period because of its critiquing nature. And um, it's also really important that it was written by one of the most influential writers as well. Um, and like going back to the rhetorical, like the um, poetic devices that are used, I think the diction is also really important um, because it really like emphasizes how the mistress does not fall under those conventional beauty standards. Like in line 12, the speaker says, my mistress when she walks treads on the ground. And the word treads has quite like a negative kind of connotation. And it depicts that the mistress has like a very informal way of walking and it directly contrasts the mention of the goddess that was in line 11 above that. And a goddess is definitely like, it represents someone whose walk would contain a lot of elegance and um, charisma. Uh, so yeah, just basically that's what stood out to me the most about this poem was the fact that it really critiqued the, well, it was modern back then, the modern love poetry that was very widespread during that renaissance era so that's why like this was the first poem that i read and i really liked like the shift in the tone and the shift in the rhyme scheme that happened from lines 13 to 14 because it really emphasized like during the renaissance period how they would focus a, a lot on like true beauty so i think that like lines 13 to 14 really tie together the whole theme of that where even though my mistress does not have all of these appealing and flattering characteristics, she still has like a rare love. Like he describes her love as rare. And that's why he's still like 
loves her and like that's why he still wants to be with her. Awesome. Yeah, I have a lot of of uh similar opinions to you obviously um because <laughs> we both read the same thing um I'm just gonna start talking about uh the different things that I found so the reason I liked this poem for the renaissance was because I thought it really highlighted all of the the qualities besides the hero it highlighted all the qualities that was common in the Renaissance, like focusing on the humanity part of the person. Um, it uses irony. It's truthful about beauty, and it's a it's a sonnet, so it flows really well and rhymes really well. Um, and I didn't pick up on the rhyme scheme that you pointed out, and I really like that you did though, because I was focusing on the fact that this whole first part was one stanza up until my mistress when she walks treads on the ground and I thought that it was really negative connotation towards his mistress and it was he didn't say that one thing about how much he loves her except when he said I love to hear her speak and then he followed it up with but I do know music sounds better um and there was a huge tone shift um at the last two lines and he's ironically saying, even though she's not beauty and she's not heaven, I, I still love her and I still think my love is valuable or more valuable than anyone could compare. Um, and it's a little satirical because um, he's, make, he's also making fun of the, the other people who would write, oh, this woman is so beautiful and perfect and, and her hair's flowing. Um, and then I also thought, hang on, I also thought that all of the, the he like set up each line, each line before the last two lines in a parallel way so that he was describing her appearance over and over again. And the more he goes on and lists everything wrong with his, with her appearance, I thought it kind of undermined the value of what he was saying just by how much he did he he gave her uh like seven or something uh negative things about her looks and and the way she she looks and and walks and sounds um but he didn't mention any personality traits about her and the fact that he didn't and he was only listing just a bunch of different problems with her looks I thought it under it was purposefully undermining uh, all of his critiques on her, um, and I also thought that all of the 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 black wires growing on her head, and if snow be white, then why are her breast buns? I also think that those are a reflection of her not being conventionally beautiful. Um, maybe she's not a very very white. And she doesn't have blonde hair and blue eyes and, and pink cheeks. Um, and then I also thought that the the last two lines are the most important because while they are also separated, he, he does change his rhyme scheme, which I like that you pointed out again. Um, but also the last two lines are normally the, the meta like the, the final uh, meaning in a poem. And his 
and then what he wanted the the reader to take away was that he d- it doesn't matter what she looks like he loves her regardless um which could even turn himself into a noble person for not for not caring that she's not the most beautiful and loving her anyway yeah i really like um, how you mentioned that like i'd actually never thought of that like the fact that it makes the speaker a noble person as well Yes. <laughs> yeah, I kind of picked up on the satirical element of it. I thought at first that he was making fun of her, but then I went back and realized that he was kind of making fun of the beauty standards being imposed on her. Mm-hmm. And I thought that the first part was honestly kind of funny just because he seemed to be saying all these things that she isn't, but almost in a satirical way where he's like, oh, why are people having these stupid beauty standards because you're nothing like them but you're still beautiful to me and um it's so beautiful and elegantly written yet it's just making fun of beauty standards like it's Mm -hmm. such a beautiful and elegant way to make fun of something exactly and like that's kind of like the beauty of like Shakespeare's writing as well like that's why like I mentioned that he was so influential and it was very, like, huge that he was the one who's critiquing society's standards. And, like, knowing how wide of an audience his writing reaches, I think that it's, like, really important as well. And I actually, like, wanted to go back to something that Isabella stated before, that he's, like, stating so many negative things that it kind of, like, undermines her beauty. And I agree with that. And I feel like that's kind of, like, also for, like, comedy-related pers- purposes, like, as well as satirical. I think it also has kind of, like, a comedy aspect of it as well. Yeah, I really like that you mentioned that. I thought, I never thought of that. That's really, like, I really see that now. Mm -hmm. When I said uh, he undermines it, I meant he undermines that. He's undermining her beauty. He's making her, he probably makes her feel less feminine. Yeah. Or, like, bad about how she looks. But I also thought he was undermining his own opinion. Because if you say one thing bad about someone's appearance, it's, it's offensive. But if you, if you continue on for eight different or seven different things that are wrong with their appearance it's it's not the person that you're critiquing yeah. it's <clears throat> it's just being nitpicky and the fact that he kept going throughout like majority of this this sonnet yeah. um I thought it, it kind of was like he was at this point he wasn't even being serious because he was just he it was it was almost funny how long he yeah, was he was basically it. rambling yeah also, I thought it was, I didn't pick up on this, but our, the, our, me and Elena's poem uh, really contrasts with Anna's because Anna pointed out how her poem, it doesn't have any breaks besides the, the, the colons and semicolons, and ours does have, it has one break right at the end, um, and I, and that's because Anna's is, the reason hers is romanticism is because she, hers is continuously so idealistic mm-hmm. and, and positive and towards the environment while ours starts out with this huge negative bit so it has to have a, a break exactly so that it can switch to the positive yeah side. so like that's what I also thought as well like they're very different however like one similar thing that I did find between the two poems is that they do focus on like the true beauty of something um, like, this is, like, kind of, like, it may be reaching, but I did notice how, like, the speaker describes, 
a perfect day in London where the air is like free of smoke and the scenery is unbothered by the bustling of human beings in the composed upon Westminster Bridge poem. And then I guess like when they're like on the bridge and looking over the view of London, they can see the true beauty of it, especially since they mentioned the fact that the air is like free of smoke. And then in Sonnet 130, they're mentioning how they see beyond just like the appealing like um, beauty standards and like they see into like the human aspect of it. And that's where I kind of see that like the romanticism and Renaissance era kind of overlap that they focus on like the true beauty of it. However, like Anna's poem is definitely a lot more like idealistic as Isabella said, it's like completely just like focusing on like the beauty of the view instead of like critiquing anything in particular. Yeah, I feel like my poem is about idealism or it shows idealism and yours is almost making fun of idealism, at least in exactly. the sense of beauty of women. And I like that um, Isabella brought up the breaks because it really does make a huge difference in y'all's poem because it is it just puts so much more emphasis on the last two lines of the poem, which from reading Shakespeare's sonnets before, I always think that the last two lines of every sonnet he makes are the most important important and they always have his theme or his message somewhere in there and I think the fact that he paused completely and broke the line instead of just putting another semicolon because there are a lot of semicolons in the first part of the poem for sonnet 130 um, just Mm -hmm. puts a lot more emphasis on the last part of it exactly Um, I also wanted to just add one more thing that I forgot to say before. Um, You you can really tell in in Sonnet 130 that he loves her deeply and he loves her personality and and not her looks or her appearance because because of this last bit, but also because I love to hear her speak. Yeah, I know her voice isn't that great, but but if he loves to hear her speak, it's because he loves interacting with yeah. her. And it was just, a, I I really wanted, I, I meant to focus on like how positive he was and this just one line right there because he isn't when he's talking about her looks, but he can't help but bring up how much he likes talking to her and listening to her thoughts and her opinions, exactly. which I thought was really, yeah. that's well. actually a really that, good point. I think, Isabella, you said something about this earlier, that he only mentions the standards imposed on her physical beauty, but he obviously is much more attracted to her personality. And I think that the fact he doesn't, that he doesn't bring up any beauty standards that have to do with someone's personality just kind of amplifies that he doesn't even compare her personality to any standards that there might be in society because he thinks it's perfect. It almost reminded me of that one poem that we did. I think it was on AP Classroom. The one about the girl being really, really clumsy, but he, she was so good with words and conversations that the man fell in love with her anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good comparison. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, Do you have anything else to add to either, either of the two poems? Nope. Nope. I know we went into the deep detail on on Mielina's, so I'm I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> um, awesome. Okay, I'm gonna end it, and I'll yeah, I'm gonna end it. Right. Okay, is that good yep. everyone?